Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Tastes like homemade. Grab a Cully and Sully for soup season. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Welcome to another edition of Dishing It Out with me, Gary O'Hanlon. And me, Gareth Mullins. And it's a sad one today, Gaz. It's the last one of season one. Give the boys another series. Anyway, so we're going to do a wee dip in the hat. I think producer Russell's got something up his sleeve for us today. What, what's going on, Russell? Yeah, I decided to do a little bit uh, of a different format for today's uh, final episode. Just to kind of get to know you both a little bit more and things that maybe haven't been covered in the series so far. So in front of you, there is a number of questions, 12 questions there. And in the duration of this podcast, you're going to ask each other all of these questions. Oh, uh, lucky dip. A lucky dip of questions. Will yes. I go first? So, go first. yeah. I am not telling you the colour of my underwear. <laughs> I want to asking, you can visit one restaurant in Ireland right now. Where are you going, Gareth Mullins? I'm going down to see Ahmed in uh, ah. Dede because uh, I stupidly, well, not stupidly, I couldn't. Uh, the Eurotalk uh, family went down there during the summer. Uh, we brought the young chefs down there. I, I couldn't get out of work and I couldn't go and then um, every one of them were totally mind blown by the way that he cooked and the flavour that was there and authenticity of what was going on down there using like what we were talking about on the podcast a couple of podcasts ago really local ingredients but he was putting his real uh, spice flair on everything and it was just the essence of what good cooking is all about well Daniel who was my sous chef in Viewmount House for 8 or 9 years spent 2 weeks on a stage there oh, about he? a month ago and when I say he Ahmed has completely rejuvenated Daniel's mind he has come out of that restaurant he could not he could not stop raving oh, about he said he never seen precision like it in mm. all his life unbelievable and he's just been to four or five one and two star restaurants between Ireland and London and Switzerland and he said he's on a different planet yeah amazing that's a great shout he was um he 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 done the semi-finals and final was it he, he judged the one of the parts of the competition so I mean I know him for years but uh yeah he has an amazing palate real mm. real understanding of balance of flavour and cooking which you would I know it's an obvious thing to say but like he really is a smart guy yeah but how cool is it like that he's bringing a lot of his own you know flavours and spices and stuff that he grew up with and a culture of cooking mixing it with West Cork ingredients it's just amazing it's unbelievable you know I mean and and by the way he's a really cool dude as well he's such a nice guy yeah good shot I'm going to go with Dollier Street Anto is the owner he also owns Mr. Fox. I think there's a few restaurants going to get a star in Ireland this year. And I have a funny feeling he's going to definitely get a star in Doyler Street. And I think he should get a star in Mr. Fox. I don't know if any of you have eaten there. I've had lunch. It was a, it was a few years ago now that I ate in Mr. Fox and I haven't eaten in Doyler Street yet. Anto, very good things. Anto worked behind the scenes on the restaurant for, for a couple of years as well. Him and Stevie are, are friends from like way back or whatever. They would have worked together for a long time. And um, I just, you know, I've been in France and America an awful lot this year. And just, you know, when you come home then, it's difficult for me to shoot away again and go to a restaurant or whatever with three kids. But um, that's a place I probably I should have been. I should have been to Mr. Fox more by now. I've been a couple of times. But definitely Doyer Street, I, w- I would want to go to. It just looks... Let's do it. Let's go. Uh, it looks to be on another level. Mm. And Anto is a really skilled, methodical precise cook he's he's brilliant mm. I mean you know he's well enough known now or the restaurants are getting well known he doesn't do a lot of TV or radio that so he's maybe not in people's faces that much but I tell you he's he's an unbelievable yeah, chef he's very skilled guy yeah so that one, one to look out for now that we're on the topic who do we think is going to go up another star or get a I always feel nervous talking about things like that because it's very easy to insult a chef, if you don't, I think John Coffey in time and Athlone is going mm. to get a star. And if he doesn't, he should have had it two years ago. Without a doubt, 
he should have got it last year. I would be. I never understand. I mean, I've, I only said this very recently on the, the. I said it with Cassie on the, with the places in Dublin. I don't understand how Graham Neville has never got. Oh, Dax, unbelievable! It's, and it's then he, sense. Graham Neville, has come from Kevin Thornton's kitchen too for many years. Star, a lot of stars follow stars. You know, when I say stars follow stars, like they they trust that these guys have had a foundation and and a career for a few years and a proven Michelin background. I loved what you said when you were on with Cassie because, I mean, the thing is, you see, is every chef in the country loves Graham Neville, so it's easy to think, yeah, he's he's well regarded, do whatever. Then you think, like, between Olivia, the owner of Dax, and him, absolute shoe-in, and should have been a shoe-in. I mean, when he was in Restaurant 41, he should have had a star. Yeah, so, I don't know. That's the bit I don't understand about it at times, you know? So, I mean, and... You know, Michelin, yeah, of course. And that's where it's difficult to stand up for Michelin then when you're like going, hold on a minute. Yeah. How does this get a star and that not get yeah, a star? Yeah, yeah, and look, I decide never to put myself in that conversation because I don't want to, as you said, I don't want to be offending anybody or, yeah. you know, restaurants that restaurants that win Michelin stars, fair play. Yeah. I just don't understand why that one hasn't. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I mean, there's other, there's lots of great restaurants kicking around at the moment. I think time is a good shout. Time is a good shout. Yet, so. Yeah, Danny Africano and Lock Ray. What's that? Like, Lignum, Jesus yeah, Christ, sorry, Danny. It still doesn't have a star, does it? No, doesn't have a star yet, no. But again, knocking on the door without a shadow of a doubt. A few more probably come into the head. Chapter one, go for three. Yeah. Again. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Like, it's, hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to really say when it gets a three and when it gets a two. And you know, There's no, so, there's no rhyme. I mean, if any, you look at Gibos for, should they have two stars since? 20 odd years, the, I think. 90s or, yeah. I yeah, would have said even longer, 30, no. Possibly. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. I've done them an injustice again. I said that twenty yeah. recently. So I'd I'd lunch and gave us not too long ago, and it was sensational. Like it was yeah, sensational. well, Graham Neville when he was in there, I thought Sunil when he was in Ananda and even Pickle. I always thought Sunil should have got a star. I think as well. he got a bib, did he? Possibly, yeah. And, uh, I'm not sure. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he he is some cook, man. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Oh flavors. my God, of Almighty, just class. Just class. A lot of celebrities, when they come on the restaurant, for a period there of many, many years, ne- nearly nearly all of them would bring a recipe, right, from Sunil. Um, not all of them, but like, you know, would really, he'd be one chef that really stood out that they're all eating in it. And like, oh, I had this little sauce, I had this little dip and whatever. Anytime they brought a recipe from Sunil, and we, I always remember, I think, Alan Shatter or Ken Doherty, I'm not sure which one of them, but they brought this recipe from Sunil's for like a mint sauce. But I looked at it and I thought, geez, I don't know about that, man. Like, or anyway, who am I? I'm just going to be a chef, shut up, do it the way it is. That's what we're told to do. I'm making it the way it's in black and white. That's the way the guy wants it done. Follow the recipe. Never tasted anything like it in all my life. Every recipe that's ever been used when Sunil has written them for a chef coming on the show, <laughs> it would blow mm. your mind. It's always reaching into big flavours. Oh, yeah. I went to a day, he did it at La Russe many, many years ago, and you see they get the pan on, way more oil than you think anybody should ever need. Then they're throwing in the spices and frying them, and the whole spice is crushing. It's just one of my favourite ever food moments. Uh, Sunil was involved in it. Was he? So we were, I think I told you this before, a few years ago we went over to St. Tola. Uh, uh, oh, I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, he, and the reason why I love it so much is that uh, I had my kids with me and we haven't been on many farms and we've been a bit of a dub at times, right? Yeah. But the kids were with me and we were going in to meet all the goats and Siobhan was telling us all about the cheese. But she set up a dining table down the middle of the goat shed. So on either side, there was goats. Being born. Being born. Yeah. We were there just when they were being born. So I have a brilliant photograph on my phone of my daughter, George May, holding a little baby goat that was only born hours ago. Yeah. So we were having this amazing... Now, I don't know how many people has ever been in a goat shed, but they smell like you think they're going to smell. Like they're rough <laughs> enough, right? And goat has that flavour. It actually carries into the cheese. Yeah. That it has that yard flavour, I, yeah. I think is a way to describe it. Anyway... There we all are meeting these beautiful little goats that have been born and having the crack and blah, blah, blah. And then we sit down for lunch. And what does Sunil cook? Goat curry. He, cook? <laughs> <laughs> he cooked it. It was very curry. cannibalistic. I it have was amazing. Yeah. It was so delicious. We had this wonderful goat cheese starter. And we finished with a really interesting little 
uh, goat's cheese magnum. Do you remember they served those? Yeah. Uh, they were uh, little magnums that they used goat. I had Cora and Ollie with me that yeah, day. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was the 23rd Absolute. of June. But Sunil cooked and he brought this massive big pot and, he, and my daughter was like, what are we going to And my son, what are we going to have to eat? And I was like, yeah, we're going to have curry and he made it in like it was a goat mince. Yeah, it's called it was, goat on toast, I think, is the dish actually. Yeah. So good. So good. amazing. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fond... Food memory that I have. Yeah, from that, that was well, that was, was an, your talk. Egg, was that it? was it was was it twenty? No, it was a twenty year celebration. Oh, Santola yeah. goat's cheese, but all the heavy hitter chefs. A lot of them were down there that day. Okay, you, next you question. I just took. I took an out. So, uh, a chef you look up to. A chef, I look up to. And me and you look up to most chefs because the tables are only yeah, four foot. I'm only four foot. <laughs> I'm only four foot tall on a hot sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> Who do I look up to? I would probably have to say Derry Clark if it's if we're keeping it to Ireland. Derry Clark, I've got to know really well. I mean, obviously with COVID and everything, and I think every chef in Ireland was heartbroken. I'd say Saliana and Derry were as well because. I think everybody had a reservation to go to Lake Ravan for the last six months. You know, they would have wanted to celebrate the restaurant with, with Derry and Sally Ann and COVID wrecked that for us. You know, even in the very, very earliest days of Umount, I was only back from America a couple of years and I didn't know a soul. Nobody knew me. I walked into the room and Derry Clark and Ross Lewis spoke to me like I was the most important person in the room. And even then, as you know, your stock gets a wee bit higher, you get your own wee reputation. Your peers start to say, you know, that's a good cook there. You'd like to think, you know, as the restaurant starts doing well and you get a bit of a reputation and it's easier to walk into a room with chefs that have had stars for years, whatever. But from minute one, Derry Clark, no matter what position you would be in a kitchen, he was just kind and decent to me. And I always remember my man. Did ma- he go up and do that interview with you for it was with it, one of the magazines? Uh, yeah, yeah he would have did the Hotel and Restaurant Times or something. I did that, yeah. But any, I Any uh, new young head chef that gets a job, uh, there he goes and he interviews you and he talks to, to you about your ambitions and where you yeah, want Yeah, it was, I used to love reading that then about yeah, everybody cool. else. You'd get that come into the kitchen every month or whatever it was. And... I always remember my MasterChef edition. I walked up the stairs in the Burlington and they, they made you feel like you were the only one going for the job. And I, I was the second chef in and coming out of the room was Derry. I remember meeting him at the top of the stairs and my heart just sank. I went, for fuck's sake, how am I going to get this gig at Derry Clark's in there as well, you know? So yeah, I'd have to say I've 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 always loved him. He's always just amazing, been a kind, person, a kind man, a lovely person. Sally Ann's the same, yeah. And they really uh, embody hospitality. Yeah. That's what I love about uh, Derry and, and Sally Ann. Like, they're just so into looking after people. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I've I've eaten in uh, Le Cravan a few times, but I remember walking away going, they just, you just feel really nourished. You just get taken care of. And that's, I think, you know, we were asked before about writing menus and that's what cooking is all about. You know, whether you're cooking at home or you're cooking for friends or you're cooking in a professional environment, it's about making sure that the people that you're looking after are enjoying themselves yeah. and getting well looked after. Yeah, but it's just, it's such an amazing trait though, like, and it's something that I would remember then, if, you know, you get a reputation or and it's a young cook or somebody on a stage out of a college or whatever is in your kitchen and, you know, he really just embodies everything that you should be to to everybody that comes into your yeah. into your your own kitchen then you know what I mean a good guy what about you well I'm going to go an international chef because you went in Ireland and there's so many chefs in Ireland that I look up to but I'm going to say uh, Thomas Keller yeah um, and I've always looked at his career from afar um, I've never eaten in one of his restaurants and it's I haven't really travelled the States that much but mm. oh no I tell a lie I've eaten in uh, I've eaten in Bouchon Bakery ah, in, yeah. in New York a few times but I just anything that he does is just so well done so well executed like he is just about excellence all the time uh, whether it's ingredients or whether it's how he runs his restaurants and I just think he's somebody that is uh, he's still at the very top of his yeah. of his game for all this time you know so he's a chef that I've always kind of looked upon as you know as as, as a the right way to do it you know like his, he's heavily heavily involved in the education system over there when the culinary education system and you know I think 
when you do get a voice as a chef, and that's, I suppose, why Eurotalk means so much to me. It's about trying to nurture the chefs that are coming up and obviously supporting uh, producers and uh, and whether it's farmers or cheesemakers or, you know, growers or whatever it is. I think it's super important that people like are in a privileged position like us where we get a voice, that you make sure that you're calling out these uh, people that are really... Because the, the likes of him, really, you, it, it's easy to look at it now and it's the big global machine that it is. But you've got to go back to the likes of him and Alice Waters and that whole part of California, mm. Napa Valley and beyond. Uh, he's in Yonville, I think it's called. But it's the early days of, of knowing what he wanted to do. Alice Waters knowing what she wanted to do. Growing it yourselves, having it there, having a, a garden that was feeding into the kitchen. It's amazing. Doing all these things the right way and then building a global uh, legacy. I'll tell you a funny story about the morning of my... Not, I, I won't tell you the whole story, but first night of my honeymoon in Vegas, staying at the Venetian. I remember vaguely reading the menu. I'd lost me bollocks, maybe <laughs> four grand at the tables. Me and Samba, my buddy. Passed, your honeymoon? Yeah, first, was Samba, first honeymoon? night. Well, the first four days was a buddy moon oh, okay. in Vegas. <laughs> and then we partied for three or four nights. They went back to Boston and New York. We stayed on, did all the shows, did all the restaurants. And then we went on to Cancun for a for a week on our own. But the first few nights was a bit of a buddy moon. And you know Jason as well. You yeah, know yeah. Samba. But the head chef in Bouchon woke me up. I was in the doorway of Bouchon. I passed out at half six in the morning <laughs> reading the menu absolutely lost me stones that night four days later I told Annette look I didn't tell you the whole truth <coughs> about the first night here me and her went to the table at the Bellagio won it all back man did we party we went to the Blue, <laughs> went to the Blue Man group that night Honeyman was back on track baby <laughs> oh don't tell me but you said Bush on there my head went right back because Thomas Keller has a restaurant in the Venetian and that's uh... well I was in New York a few years ago and uh if you ever get to Bouchon Baker in New York, he does this uh, French baguette with a uh, freshly sliced ham, Gruyere and Dijon. It's one of the nicest things you'll ever eat. Mm. We were at the being, uh, what's the name of that ice ring in the middle of New York? Rockefeller, yeah, exactly. There's a little Bouchon just up from that. And we went up after we'd been ice skating with the kids and it was the first time I'd ever been ice skating. Would you believe that? wasn't it? Oh, wow. And it was a really cool memory with Denise and the kids. And then we went up there and we had some hot chocolates and... That baguette, man, still tastes so crispy as sourdough baguette. Really, anyway, he's a chef that I really admire. Yeah. So, right, come on, next question. What have we got? Your perfect chip shop order. Oh, Jesus. Will, will I go first? Well, you can, yeah, yeah. Why not? It has to be fish and chips. I mean, if I go to uh, if I go to a really good chipper, um, I don't go to the chipper that often, if I'm being honest. Um, but if I do go to the chipper, it's definitely going to be fish and chips. And if I'm having it in a chipper, I'm having it with uh, curry sauce. I'm not having it with tartar sauce. So that would be loads of salt. Say it again, what? You're getting a fish and chips with curry sauce? Yeah. You dirty yeah. bastard. Yeah, no, I am. If I'm, at, like, if I'm anywhere else, I'll have it with tartar sauce. But if I'm in a chipper in Dublin and I'm getting fish and chips, I'm getting curry sauce with it. Wow. Jesus, the look of disappointment on his face. Um, Russell is all over it. <laughs> Russell is like, what's this great the sauce uh, going I'm, on about? Well, actually, I'm going to go from judging you. You're going to really go to judge I am me. definitely going to so judge you. Anybody from Ramelton, Letterkenny, Mulford, Fanned Beyond, there's a wee cafe in my hometown, right? And there's a famous saying called the curry tap, right? Now, there's a slang term in Ramelton where I come from. It means top. So it's a single sausage curry tap. Right, that's how you order it. So single sausage isn't a single sausage either. It's three battered sausage and a little foil Jesus box full of Christ. chips. And then you get a ladle of chicken curry over the top of it. So if you go into the cafe, Steve's Cafe on the hill in Remelton, single sausage, curry tap. Why do you say single sausages if they give you blade? Because that's just, that's, just, that's just how <laughs> it's on the menu. Single sausage, curry tap is the greatest chip shop order of all time. I want you to bring me there and we'll have a few points and we'll go for Well, I'll tell you what and you will sit on the wall on the square <laughs> and you'll say, Gaza, you know your takeaways, boy. <laughs> you know your takeaways. Well, Next here, I, no, no, I'm going to mix it up here because we have somebody in our company that I know likes a takeaway. So, Russ, come on. Give us your one. 
Be rude not to ask producer Russell. If he's dipping fish into current glass, he's got no right. He's got no right to join this conversation, the dirty hero. Go on. No, okay, so um well, fair He's rehearsed as I can I see have, it in his yeah. eyes. I am um, <laughs> as someone who has written a cookbook on deep fried food, I suppose this is kind of my specialist subject. I always am a batter burger, chips, curry sauce. Yum. And it has to be curry sauce for dipping the batter burger into. A so batter burger? A batter you don't know burger. what a batter burger is, you do, do you? Well, I, I, can, I, can, I can figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I've never had one, though. Have you not? No. Oh, wow. You've not lived. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I, I would... Uh, I'll tell you what I had recently. Dean Tobin, good buddy of mine. Marty Tobin, his daddy. <clears throat> Dino makes a curried mince. Did I talk about this before mm, on mm. here? Yeah. But anyway... In Manchester, there's a Chinese restaurant the boys have always gone to. I bet you we spoke about it when Lawrence was in because <coughs> Lawrence was in our crew going to the United game. But they have a place that does crispy barbecue spare ribs. So you you they do the spare ribs and then they go through a batter. So for the last front. for the Copenhagen Champions League game, we went to this Chinese restaurant, lads. Sweet mammy Jesus. <laughs> what what a feed. It's as good as it sounds. Unbelievable! Well, wow. all over it, man. Just that was a good question. Yeah. Right. Um, next one. Uh, the best restaurant experience you've ever had. That's a hard question. Oh. Do you want to go first? No, you can go first. I'll go first. <laughs> I've had a, I've had a lot of good ones. I'll tell you what. Right. I'm gonna just change that question slightly. It doesn't have to be Michelin, and it doesn't have oh, to no, be. I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, because straight away I'm thinking of some of the like really high end meals, but I'm got. Actually, I have an answer. When we were on our honeymoon, uh, I got married over in the, in Tuscany, in uh, Siena. We had our honeymoon over there for a few days. And then afterwards, we went down the coast and we went for this restaurant and we had a lobster spaghettini. So the really, really skinny spaghetti. And it was the most... I'm not going to say it was the simplest, but like it was a very simple dish. It was just a lobster with a, some cherry tomatoes, some really good olive oil. We had a bottle of bubbles. And I'll always remember that dish for as long as I live. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. I can't remember the bottle of wine that we drank. But I remember that it was just, I mean, we were just married, you know. Uh, it was just a really wonderful experience. And um, I'm kind of a bit sad that I don't remember the name of the restaurant. But I think that's what a great restaurant experience is it brings you back to a point in time in your life and you go well that was just amazing well this is why i paused on it as well right because i didn't have a clue the name of the restaurant but it was the experience it was the day i got engaged yeah see and i proposed did you did you have a what was a three three battered sausages on the top of no no but i'll tell you what i did i did something (laughs) i did something that day that annette went mental about right and she still brings it up to me right i love a chicken piccata it's a dish i used to cook in boston tom devlin my old boss taught me how to make it i make it the same way it's the first thing i cook for annette as well but anyway i got engaged at the trevi fountain whatever dead or whatever i was Saturday or Sunday anyway, but we came over around the corner from the Trevi Fountain, found this wee restaurant, l- looking at the menu, and I just had the grow on me for a chicken piccata this day, right? Anyway, I remember saying to the waiter, Annette's there looking at her hand or whatever, it was the most beautiful day, I was over the moon, I said to the waiter, look, I just want spaghetti or linguine, chicken with capers and laminas, and he, no, right away he went, no problem. Morning. And Annette was like, for God's sake, like, would you, and I says, Nettie, we're together a good few years. I think it was five at the time. I goes, I never, ever go off menu. I never, I goes, it's just what I, fancy. I I'm in yeah. the zone. It's what I fancy. I goes, that's like asking a fucking Irish chef for a portion of chips or a spud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I goes, can you do it? Anyway, we got these bubbles, right? I remember they were called Ferrari. It was a bottle of champagne. Ferrari was on it. Open it up. Popped up on the phone. This is going to sound unromantic now. United lost the league that day. United drew 4-4 with Everton that Remember day. Remember it. Ruined the league. Cost the league that day. Sitting across from her. She's looking at her Everton. hand. We're having the time of our lives. Your man comes out with a linguine, scallopini of chicken, and the most beautiful butter emulsion sauce, lemon, capers. I can remember every forkful of that plate of food. And I was never as happy in all my life looking across the table. I mean, I'm an old romantic enemy. She'll be rolling her eyes if she's listening to this. That's here I see in your eye. No, that's not. <laughs>
<laughs> but it's uh, that was a good day. And I suppose that's what great restaurants are, you know, they're, they, they're creating memories. I mean, I could tell a hundred stories about great meals that yeah. I you know, but uh, that, that lobster spaghettini, you had yours with chicken, I had, what does that tell you? Yeah. I oh, went all caviar and truffles <laughs> on it, you went to stop a chicken. But I'll tell you another day. I'm learning a lot about Gary and Gaza on this I'll, podcast. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you another day, and we were together. <laughs> One of the best food experiences of my life, Gareth and I were together. We had 19 of us flew to Italy for lunch one day. Gareth's been involved every year because he's the secretary. He was the commissioner general, rather, of Eurotalks for a long time. And um, Brona was my sous chef at the time. She made the final of the young chef. So the experience, one of the experiences, there was two that year. One of them was at a a house where the Dexter beef came from. What do you call it? We went yeah, Killing Her and Kevin Thornton cooked over fire in the middle of this forest. Unbelievable. Amen. But one day, 19 of us from, you know, Graham Neville, Kevin Thornton, Garrett, me, a lot of other guys, Alberto was there too. We went to his, El, the Dario or whatever, a three-star Michelin restaurant outside Bergamo in Italy. And we literally went to Italy for lunch. Yeah. And... We had a cheese course down in the basement of this restaurant. Gorgonzola, they slept with it. It was amazing. And then we went upstairs into a private room. And then we went down to the Franciacorta winery, which is, you know, their version of champagne or whatever. And the old man from Franciacorta came down the stairs. He was there on the day. That was, was incredible. That was one of the best days of my life. It was just unbelievable, yeah. The food was class. You're bringing us down memory lane here, Russell Fairplay. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Proudly sponsored by Cully and Sully. Now is the perfect time to dig into a Cully and Sully risotto. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Cully and Sully's squashed veggie soup is in season and the perfect warming meal. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Ultimate cheese board. What's on it? Ultimate cheese board. I'm hard question. Will I go first? Great one together. Yeah. Well, if he was still alive and if there's still some of the cheese going, I'm starting it with Glee Brehan. It was an Irish style Gruyere cheese. Absolutely. That you've probably heard me rave on about before. David Tiernan sadly isn't with us anymore. May he rest in peace. He was a great friend of mine. He made the most beautiful cheese that has ever been made in Ireland. A close second. I'm going to have a blue cheese on there. It's got well, a crozier blue. You're going crozier, right? Well, I'm going to go the organic cashel. It blows my mind, that organic cashel uh, blue. I mean, cashel blue, not organic, is amazing cheese. Yeah. But the organic one, they, they use the same farm from down the road where they just get this organic milk. And they use the, the same vein of bacteria to make the cheese. But it's just creamier or something. Have you had it? I don't think you, I have. If you, you haven't had it. Because if you... you if you had it, it you'll, you'll remember. I'll, no. I'll get you some. Well, yeah. I mean, get some it yourself. Is sensational. Isn't it? Well, this is obviously now showing not being on the ground in Ireland for yeah, a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. no, it's new to me. And, and, like, I've championed that farm for ever. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely wow. incredible. I just done a, I done a wine dinner fairly recently and I served it as a course. But I served a little piece of the normal cashew blue and I served a piece of Do you know what's beautiful with that cheese white truffle honey oh yeah 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 and then a little bit of lavash yeah yeah there you go that's we actually served it with you're not the only fancy boy in here yeah so you know, <laughs> yeah, don't you worry, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't you worry, big boy. <laughs> Down to my next one, I'm gonna just because we spoke about it, and I think it's beautiful cheese is uh, Saint Ola as a goat's cheese. Yeah, and really, when you're putting together a cheese board, we're not doing it. We're not telling you in the right order, but you'd start off. And I'm not mad about goat's cheese on a cheese board, but you know how much of a fan I am. Yeah, yeah, Ola. no, I, I do, and like. I, I, I'm a fan of goat's cheese yeah. you know I just so I, if I'm having a cheese part I want to have a little bit of uh, yeah fair I enough have a little bit of uh, goat's cheese on yeah there. and then I'm going to go with a cheese that everybody eats nearly every day but not Dublin or cheddar not, not at the level that they know it can be made and I'm going to go with Tom Burgess's collatin cheddar oh, yeah, as a cheddar cheese it is yeah, it's very very good it is not for the weak off heart it is a full on mature it's almost parmesan like in its mm. texture it's incredible man that's a cheese board and a half there 
and then I make this compote that's probably better than anything you could possibly put on it. So a little <laughs> apricot, date, and organic blueberry. I'm yeah, telling you. Tell us about it. I actually it's think savage. you need to bring that I'm gonna, in. For I'll make it for you, and Dude, I'll bring it down it. to you. It's stunning. Yeah, I think we need to put a wash drying on there just because uh, just to round it out, and I think we'll put a bean on there, and um, because it's just a, and just when you get your bean and it's perfectly ripe, yeah, it's just such a good cheese that I think it's a real crowd pleaser. So yeah, I would say that's a very very nice cheese board, and uh, I mean, but I mean, there's so much amazing orange yeah. cheese kicking around. We're moment. blessed. Have you anything there you'd like to add into the mix, Russell? No. Oh. I'm, I've taken note of I've actually <laughs> yeah. taken, I've taken think, note of yours and I've gone, I'd probably go to St. Ola Ash. Uh, oh, yeah, I yeah. love that one. Yeah, yeah, it's um, very good. You know, I'm bougie, so of course I'm going to say that. <laughs> um, I also love, if you want to kind of combine the goat's cheese and the blue cheese, the Boyne Valley Bot. Yeah, it's very blue good. It's yeah. fantastic as well. Yeah. Bellingham Blue's from that neck of the woods as well, isn't yeah, it? Is, yeah. Indeed. Um, and uh, Kyle Moore um, cheese is an Alpine style cheese. I, get, I suppose mm. a bit like like the the Glee Brown, absolutely stunning, mm-hmm. stunning cheese from out in uh, Lockray, Galway. Yeah. yeah, well, cool. All right, next all right. One. Next one is uh, a good question. I think to ask the chef. One thing you hate to eat: lobster. Don't like lobster. I don't like how they're killed. I've I've developed this problem with lobsters just over the years. I've never I I avoid <clears throat> killing lobsters at all costs. I have to say, really? I've never liked it. I have a story. Will I tell it? All Gary right. has a story. Can you believe yeah. that? I, oh. I know. Yeah, I have to tell this story because it involves lobsters. There's a bar in Boston called Whiskies, right? <clears throat> I think it's Whiskies. Anyway, I'm in it one night with Sumner, Misha, or I think I think the boys were with me. Maybe they were. Maybe Samba could have been with me. I'm not sure. Anyway, there was a crew I was there with. And... This group of jocks are all around. So for two bucks, you used to put two bucks into this. Are jocks machine. Scottish or are they just? No, like they, oh, okay. football, all right, grand, like yeah, yeah. college football Me heads or meatheads or yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. And they're all down in shots and they're all drinking and all doing whatever. They're around the they're around this water tank. You put in two bucks, the clog is down, like the thing you would see in a supermarket around here. Two bucks, clog us down. You get a lobster for two bucks. You give it to the waiter. They go in, they grill it, they cook it, and you've got a, a lobster. If you can for, get it, if you can for, grab it, yeah, if you can grab it or do whatever. So all these boys are around. Next thing they get the lobster, and one throws it to the other in the mess. And I goes, whoa! I said, call over the waiter there, the bartender, and give him the lobster. He goes, oh, whatever. And I goes, no, like don't be messing around with the lobster. Just give it to someone. Let them. Cook. Anyway, he said something cheeky, and I says, listen, this is the last time I'm going to ask you. <laughs> Please just pass it over or whatever. And he rips the claws off the lobster. Stop. And with as quick as you could flick a light switch, I hopped the chair, hopped the table. <laughs> and I laid into, you chat about watching Roadhouse or seeing, I don't even know how long that brawl took, but I got so <laughs> angry, man. And I come up over the table and I tore into anything that was in my way. I failed. <laughs> yeah, true story. I used to love fighting. I don't anymore. <laughs> I'm old and I'm fat. I'm a daddy. I never since I, I was never mad about it anyway up to that point. But that that night really bothered me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I still cook them and but generally it's when guests are looking for them as opposed to I don't really go out of my way to put them on. Yeah, I don't know. Do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we uh, we I do a thing in the well, I didn't do it this year, but uh, we call it bubble claws. We serve. Uh, Lobster and champagne, and it's kind of a, a signature of the hotel. And, and uh, New Year's Eve, we done a beautiful lobster ravioli. So no, no, I'm all up for eating lobsters. Um, oh, do you know, there's nothing really that I don't eat. You know, and I, I often think, but there's things that I can't eat. I'm not able to eat um, kiwi. I'm allergic to them. So uh, you're not losing out too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like exactly. There's and you, no one really uses them, but I can't. But even Jesus, if is there a more pointless fruit? But if they're in a fruit bowl even and they're touching off an apple or whatever, if I ate the apple, it, would, it puts me in the bad place big time. A few years and years ago, I was in a restaurant in Sydney and a fella made a smoothie. And uh, it was just after service and he was like, do you want to have a glass of that smoothie? And I was like, warning this folks now, this is a, is there any kiwi in it? No, no, there's no kiwi in it. And I was like, he thought I just didn't like kiwi. So I've laid down this and all the inside of my throat, like it's really, really itchy. Um, it doesn't close up or anything. It's Jesus not. Christ. But I, I'd say if I had enough of it now, I'd be in the bad place. Yeah. And the other thing that which is weird that I can't eat is that I can't eat raw lobsters, langoustines, prawn. I can eat them cooked. Yeah. And I can't eat them raw. So uh, they're the only things. Not that I won't eat them. Yeah. I shouldn't eat them because they're yeah. sick. Okay. But otherwise, um, 
there's nothing that I'm that I'm. Was there anything that you just don't like? Not really. No. No, the stuff that I mean, I'll take it, I'll leave it. Like, but as uh, there's nothing. I suppose where... you do dip fish into curry sauce. And stuff, so. <laughs> That's sick, true. Sick man. <laughs> wow. No That's shock, true. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, next one. I right. think I fed you lobster the last time you came in and ate in the restaurant. In oh, yeah, no bother. Yeah, yeah. Dream dinner party guest, dead or alive? You go first. I know you're going to say, okay. you're going to say, Blade and Alex, uh, something boring like that. Yeah? James Cullen, the Pink Panther, rally driver. My first, I just adore James Cullen. One of the greatest tarmac rally drivers that's ever lived up in Letterkenny. I'd have him there. Roy Keane, just because I just love Keno. I love everything about him. I'd have Fergie there. I told you, didn't he? Yeah. I, told you that. I love Sir Alex Ferguson. No more than you, Gareth, I correlate a lot of my work ethic to sports people at the highest mm. level. Um, Gary Neville, somebody, it'd be, a, it'd be a tight one between Sir Alex and Gary Neville. Um, just to love the Clop. mindset. Uh, I love Klopp. I think Klopp, I think, I think Klopp's a good guy. He's at yeah, these, yeah. And then Cantona, I would have... So you're just going to invite Man United for dinner? I'll have a, rally, have a rally driver in there too. He can drive <laughs> us all home whenever we're finished eating lobster. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Yeah, I think the conversation there would be would be brilliant. Um, you get a bit of friction with Kino and Alex. And uh, and just James Cullen, just to, no, just to know where from, he started in rallying. Nobody, nobody from the world of food. I know enough about food. <laughs> I don't need I don't need some asshole chef sitting at a table telling me how to how to eat beans. No. Did you have me stumped here about who I'd ask for dinner as a as an idea? I think I'd take somebody from the world of music. I think this year we lost uh, Sinead O'Connor, and I think having somebody like her at a dinner table would cause for some very interesting conversation because I think she was somebody that trailblazed in our views. Someone like Shane McGowan or Sinead O'Connor, they're, they're so quiet as people that, you know, it's, it's a dining table is where you'd really get to know them. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to meet Klopp a few times because he stayed in the hotel and I just really love his energy around him. Yeah, he's a nice um, guy. Yeah, really, really nice person and I can see how he gets so Did you watch that video of the wee boy from yeah, Monaghan, Dara? Do you know what? I hadn't seen Jeez, that. I cried watching that. I hadn't seen it and when you shared it on Twitter is where yeah. I've seen it. Um, but well, that's where Liverpool shows their class as a club. Mm. Like, And look, as you know, we love to hate each other when it comes to football. But I think the beauty about football is the slagging. Yeah. It's the friction. It's about, sport, right? it's about sport. It's about not liking each other. But you cannot like each other and have massive respect for one another at the same time, you know. I'll tell you my Shane McGowan story. Go on. So, you know, I'm into rallying, right? So after, the the morning after the first Fast and Furious movie. I had a GT4 Celica, right? Lovely car, first car. Anyway, I'm going to work, going around Harvard Square with the university on the way into Brighton Centre and I, and I see this car and it's the GT Spider Eclipse. Now, it was the blue soft top in Fast and the Furious. I don't like convertibles, but it was literally one of the cars that I saw. I went in, how much is it? Did the deal there and then bought the car. Clipper, I caught this thing I just adored, right? Powerful, silver. It was just gorgeous. Anyway, a few weeks later, I'm on the line at work, whatever. Next thing, Jorge comes running in, right? Georgie, my boy, like or Jorge, whatever way you want to call it. And uh, he's like, chef, 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 don't go crazy, don't go crazy. And when somebody tells you don't go crazy, the first thing you're going to do... Are going to go crazy. <laughs> so at the back of the restaurant, before it became a tiki bar, there was room for maybe me and the boss or one or two cars. You'd sneak down alongside of the restaurant. I had my own wee spot. Anyway, I go rolling out. There's a dude hanging over the bonnet. He's been sick or whatever. And I I just put my hand on his throat, lifting him off the bonnet of the car. And I'm about to I'm about to kill somebody, right? And then I, and I stopped and went, what the, f- what the, f- Shane McGowan? I goes, you all right, man? I was like, Shane? And he goes, as if I know him all my life, right? <laughs> I goes, what are you doing here? You know, I guess, anyway, get him up, get him whatever. He goes in, goes in next door. And there's a bar in Brighton Centre called Portobellis. And there's a wee girl who was working in the bar that day called Cloda from Armagh. And up above the bar, there's the most beautiful black and white photograph of Cloda smiling wider than you could ever smile. 
and Shane McGowan is looking the other way, just staring into the abyss. And it's a black and white photo that sits in the bar. And that photo was taken that day. And I think the Pogues had played, or he had played in Boston. The story probably could have went 500 different ways. But the band apparently were in Chicago and they couldn't find him. They didn't know where he was. He went on the tear in Boston and he found himself passed out on the bonnet of my sports car. She got a photo. And there you are. No, no. Was sure, pre- that was pre-iPhone and pre... You know, you weren't carrying a phone in the back pocket, like going to whatever. But somebody did take a picture of him in Portobellis. And there's a picture up in the in the bar of the two of them that day. I'll never forget it. I'm going to throw one more into the mix and it's uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors. Because yeah. uh, I went through a, a long time of listening to those type of uh, musicians and it, like them all dying at such a young is it 27 or something when they died there's loads of them that have all died yeah. uh, Kurt Cobain Amy Winehouse there's a gang of them and they've all died yeah. at 27 but I just find with those type of characters at a dining table that's where you'd get real conversation yeah. you know rather than yeah. I think if you try if you end if sitting you, beside them on a plane or if you, those type of circumstances they wouldn't talk but if you could yeah. get them talking over a dining table yeah. good I, would, I would try and make room for Paddy Harrington <clears throat> as well He's just oh, a yeah, brilliant, just a brilliant mind, yeah, and full of chat. Oh, okay, cool. your, your I've got one here. Uh, one food trend you want to see the back of? Oh, I don't really stay too up on all. These yeah, food I, trends, I, yeah. The thing is, that I don't, I don't let stuff annoy me. Like, I, mm. you know what I mean? Like you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, fitness trainers. Their thing coming on now. It's they're all swearing and all telling you, ah, don't eat this, don't eat that, or don't do this. You know. I'd love to get rid of every fitness trainer in the country. <laughs> Tell them all to shut their holes. Stop talking to people about food. Shut up. Mm. Shut up. And shut up again. Just shut up. It's similar. I just don't... I don't like when people are talking... Do you know a few years ago, gluten was the enemy and everybody was talking about it. I was like, what are you going on about? Yeah. You know, I think the reality is, especially good food, it should be celebrated for that. And everything, everything should be done in moderation. And I think if you live your life that way, you live pretty successfully, I would have said. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Cully and Sully squashed veggie soup is in season and the perfect warming meal. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. <laughs> what guest did you learn most about? What of guest? all the guests we've interviewed, who did we learn the most oh, about? I was thinking of guests in the restaurant. Do you know, I thought every guest brought something very different. And I think it would be remiss of me to say one... Like, I think we had some moments here over the past uh, six or eight weeks or however long we've been doing this where I thought when uh, Maya took out our mum's recipes and they were all paper clippings like that, actually I thought blew she was my going mind. to... Uh, break down there yeah I just thought it was really there, sweet yeah. I just thought yeah. it was a really nice thing and you know I, I know how Maya has been struggling with losing her mum but you could mm. like you know a, a, a clipping from a newspaper is bringing her so much yeah. and really what sits behind that that was the, easily the coolest of all the so books. cool yeah. and it was like but sitting behind that moment was food right and that's why I love what I do and I know you're the yeah. same Garen. even you're also like I know that's why we are so invested into the world of food because it is something that you do, you know, three, four, five times a day or whatever much each. Yeah. Um, but it's just so important. And I think, you know, I remember when I asked Greg O'Shea to come in, he was like, why would you want me in there? Like, it's, you know, I don't, I'm not a chef, I don't cook. And I'm like, well, that's not what it's about. And the minute he said that is... Uh, well, you've just, you're about to take the one oh, out sorry. of me. Well, no, but that's... When, a, when he when said he, it was... A, is for it, as long as you know him, the guts of two years or more, yeah. and I know him a while, you, you mean, you see him a lot more than I do. But all the talk with you was like, Greg's a bit nervous, guys, go easy. You know, like, we won't make it too fitting. Because, you know, like, you were just having yeah, a wee yeah, chat yeah, with me yeah, before exactly. we come in. Then he turns around and tells us that his mommy brought the first Chinese restaurant to Limerick. The two of us nearly fell off the chair. There was more food culture in his house than ours. Yeah, but then when you got talking about it, like, you could see yeah. really open up about it. And Aye. then it was, um, like, I loved the fact that he looked back and, you know, thinking about it, how his career might have been a little bit different if he dialed into food a little bit earlier. And that's where I think around food education in schools, it's so important. And yeah. it's an area I think that we could all get better at as a community of really embracing food in your home and, yeah. how, you know, getting different ingredients into your home and different fruits and different vegetables. And, you know, the all, 
you, know, you cook with your kids all the time. I cook with my kids. It's so important, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that came out. I thought Kira Kelly was played in such crack. Yeah, well, you see, I know Kira so well yeah, for yeah. so long that none of it was new to me. Like, I mean, when Kira, when Kira got her first show on News Talk, I, I was there on the first day or the first week, the, the third day. was the, It was every Wednesday was the food slot. And... It just so easy to chat then about food, about crack, about whatever. And you know, when she was chatting about her first house and her first wee cooker and the book, the Jimmy right. Oliver book was clattered and sauce, you know, unapologetically used. And we loved the fact that the book was rotten dirty. And it was you because I know and you know she used it. She used it when it was her and her husband, and then obviously she became a mother as the years it's went on. And the way that the Jamie Oliver books come in time and time. Yeah. Yeah, they did. She goes to show they did. Her and then Mark was was a great guest, but again we would know Mark kind of intimately since he was a, at school, and then right up through the early commie chef years, and right into being a Sue and in the um, greenhouse you know, uh, and that. You know, there was nothing new. What really. I liked about Mark and like what I like about Mark is you know he's so entrepreneurial, you know, and Aye. he's really thinking about different angles to come at foods. Yeah. and I think that's what I think is cool about the Irish food scene is that there's so many different types of restaurants to so many different types of chefs that are succeeding and doing well and um, and I hope that people st- still keep going out to embrace restaurants yeah. and, you know eating yeah. the ones that are a bit cheaper more often and make sure you're going into the more higher end yeah. ones for yeah. occasions if that's the way you use them yeah I, I, lo- I love the way Mark, I suppose, made a decision very young and very early that he was going to be a chef on his own terms yeah it's you know if, the likes of him and uh, Grania Mullins, we must maybe get Grania in here as well. She owns Gra Chocolate. It's a really talented patisserie and chef. And, um, you know, kind of went out of high-end fine dining restaurants really, really fast as well. And maybe our generation might have looked at that there. You know, might have. Nobody did. But I'm saying, like, you know, you, you in the past might have looked at that and like going, God, you know, you got to do... A lot more cloth. years, you got to cut your cloth a wee bit longer, whatever. But the likes of Grania, maybe Aoife Noonan as well, you could you could argue well, she's back now in restaurants in Sydney, I think, or definitely in the highest level in Australia. And they were all kind of that one age and, and all at that level were really stood out from the crowd at their peer age or what have you. But again, you know, Mark will do the restaurant and the type of restaurant he's going to do. I know what he's going to do. I mean, people will see it in time. But he he's doing it at his own, like whatever his suits Grania, his wife and him and his mommy and daddy, his set of circumstances, it'll marry into his shows. It won't affect his media career. It won't affect him writing books with Gil or doing whatever. And there's an awful lot to be said about backing yourself to to do your own career at your own there's none of this I'm going to learn off you for five years learn off you for whatever it's like no I fast tracked that as a teenager he busted his balls in the early days and uh, and look as you, like, he's just absolutely drilled into the the way he's going like there's nothing but success coming down the track for him yeah and, I st- and then like David Gillick was our first guest in mm-hmm. and you know he was here at a time where we didn't know really what this was going to be like or what was going to happen and uh, I loved the way he spoke about food and how it's changed for him and yeah. now with his kids and how it's different and you know I just have really enjoyed all the different conversations Obviously, him, him got into the restaurant for the week yeah, yeah over in smart. Australia was it or New Zealand or Australia yeah, right. or somewhere yeah, I think he, he was in Australia. He, yeah, yeah, he did a week. That was it, that was news to me. Yeah, and he didn't even know that he was doing what we do all the time as yeah. chefs. You know, like yeah. and and but you could hear when Maya was talking about it how much skills he picked up. Yeah, she was week. watching him. He was all methodical. Yeah, He'd exactly. done the yeah. He just naturally the way he used to prepare for races with a eating or whatever. Yeah. He brought the same thing to Master Chef and then won it. Yeah, it was and then when Lawrence was in, like you know, it was just yeah. We were only short of taking out a few beers, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Lawrence is a good pal of ours as exactly. well. So yeah, it was a, a good easy chat. Last yeah. one. So yeah, last question now, and I think it's uh, it's total fluke that this is the last question, but uh, it's one thing you've learned about each other during the podcast. One thing we've learned, I don't know. Actually, I haven't. Well, we've been good pals for a long time, guys. You know what I mean. So, and we've always. You know, we've a good relationship. We know each other kind of well. 
there was a reason why we wanted to do the show together as well. Hey, just to actually get it up and going. We've been talking about yeah, it for the last twelve. What months. people don't know is it was a guts of a, a it was a guts a of a year ago. actually, or just over a year before we went from pilot to actually doing it. And the the big thing for me whenever I did this with somebody was an educated opinion at the other end of the mics that when it was completely different to mine. I was absolutely fine. We would yeah. still walk out the door. An opinion is just an opinion. It doesn't matter if it's completely different to yours or mine or whatever. And we would sail on out of here having the crack. And that's proven to be the case. I don't think there was too much. that. I mean, there's a few things you eat, I don't eat, and so on and so forth. But no, um, nothing that really stood out that did nothing that I suppose the one me. thing I learned about you is that I wish you'd just give us your opinion on things a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> no not at all I knew I knew that we were gonna that we had a bit of chemistry that I think well I think it's translated well across on onto the airwaves and there's loads of people listening to the podcast that's something that I've learned I suppose is rather than about you or about me you just think people are enjoying listening to it and yeah. I'm certainly enjoying making it yeah because we'd far rather be doing this than washing prawns <laughs> and shelling prawns and peeling spuds and scoring duck fat and whatever else we do that's monotonous and every it is nice though to be that's what I love about the media you know it's even though it's all food and you're chatting about food you're doing whatever but anything that's a break from the you know the day to day routine of running a chateau or running a restaurant or running a hotel that we do is uh it almost feels like a break it's a nice wee release to to just chat about the career yeah well. and i also think it, it it definitely opens up new ideas to what you're going to do on it one of the reasons why i like writing the recipe a week for i mean i'm doing it for news talk now but I'm constantly being asked for recipes is that it makes me just think outside the box a little bit and I don't write recipes any of the stuff that I do for media this in the same way I think about writing recipes for where I work I'm always thinking about the home cook the family mm. cook the person that lives on their own the person that might be having to throw a little dinner party the person that you know that just has, is brand new like I mean I thought that was gas with uh, when I told uh, Greg O'Shea how to cook pasta and like he'll probably <laughs> remember that lesson forever where I just yeah. was like you just the pot is too small it was so obvious <laughs> what was going on but you know that that's the gas thing I'm sure yeah if if I was to ask him some techniques about running or yeah. training or something, he would give it to me like in a heartbeat. So yeah. I think that's what's cool. So uh, yeah, no, it's a nice thing to be sharing info from a career that that can help somebody yeah. along. And when we have a few wee anecdotes and stories along the way for a bit of laughter, like, life's too short, man, not to be having the crack. Exactly. You know what I mean. So that wraps us up for season one. Thanks very much to Cully and Sully. Um, dishing it out a goal out original and the guys at Cully and Sully we really we owe you guys big time for, for getting in behind season one you know everybody probably knew I was going to be good but Gareth we were <laughs> we were really worried really really worried about exactly. Gareth terrified <laughs> so shy and reserved but no on a, on a serious note it, it's meant the world to get it up and running um Darren and Owen and then producer Russell you were a legend from start to finish he's and the it, fella that has us all organised every week he, me and him walk in here with nothing and then Russell yeah. hands us all the ammo to get it up and going Russell hands us a, 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 an order of work every every week that's absolutely meticulous thanks so much Russell thanks Russell and uh, hopefully we'll see you back here wherever you get your podcast very soon and for me Gary O'Hanlon it's goodbye and me Garrett Mullins thanks for listening and we'll chat to you soon Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins a Go Loud original podcast proudly sponsored by Coley and Sully deliciously fresh tastes like homemade ingredients you find in your kitchen Go Loud sounds better with us